Hey everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. In a normal episode, which this one is, the three of us each have brought fics to talk about. And Nick, we are talking about your fic first. What have you brought for us? My fic for this episode is You Can Change Right Next to Me by AO3 user Simon Lorben for the fandom Jolene, Dolly Parton's song, with the relationships Jolene and narrator, parentheses Jolene, and Jolene slash man, parentheses Jolene. Uh, man, parentheses Jolene is actually kind of uh, an interesting one. We'll talk about that <laughs> soon. Reed, what is your fic for this episode? My fic is The Love Stories We Share Around Starfires by Distressed Gremlin. It is for the fandom Formula One, RPF, and the pairing is Pierre Danny. Brenna, what are you bringing? Yeah, my fic for this episode is Any Greenness is Deeper Than Anyone Knows by Desdemona Kalos, I think. Um, this is a fic for Over the Garden Wall. It is a gen fic that's sort of set in the hypothetical after the series sort of canon divergent narrative. I'm excited to talk about it. Okay, God, um, it's time. Mm-hmm. We are going to do our intro now. Mm-hmm. And we I, thought, you know... Okay, mm-hmm. I actually, sorry, off the top of this episode, I actually have to apologize. Um, because last episode, I was like, wow, for the first time in a long time, it was so easy for us to think of an intro. It caused us no stress whatsoever. And I feel uh-huh. like it, the monkey's paw curled immediately and harshly. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's um, fine. We've totally got this. I, like, don't even know what you're talking about, Reed. Okay. We have a plan. We don't know what the plan is yet, but we have it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is it time for a ficlet chance? I think it's time for a ficlet chance. Reed, do you want to tell the ficlets what, what a ficlet chance is? Yeah, sure. As I'm looking at one ficlet currently stress. Um, so, yes, because the monkey's paw curled, and I think that's my fault. Um, that's okay. Last night, we were having some trouble thinking of an intro. So we're like, what if we outsource it? I don't know exactly how we got to this, but we decided that what we were going to do is uh, write a little thing called a ficlet chance where um, we made a little message um, and we are just in our Discord server seeing who has posted most recently and we are messaging them with ficlet chance and a little message saying, hey, give us an intro idea. We're on air right now. Uh, and if you're the first to respond, we'll do it. Um, but that was kind of a boring message. So I found one of those like... You know when you, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten these, but um, I used to get them in college from some friends, like, especially around the holiday times when you'd get like a sort of copy paste meme uh, message that was just loaded with emojis. Um, I found one of those generators. So I typed our little message and I put it in and um, we weren't sure if Icklets were going to think it was spam or not, but we felt <laughs> committed to the visual aesthetics um, I think Bren said she was willing to read off our little message, emojis included. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> siren emoji, siren emoji, ficklet chance, siren emoji, siren emoji, oh, scream face, baby, baby emoji, no entry sign emoji, drop everything because your water droplet pointing emojis, ficklet hosts are haircut, one, two, three, four emojis, currently trolley trolley emojis, <laughs> recording an intro, and clap, you, point, point, could be the one, two, I... 
peace sign, decide, scream, scream, how 100 thinking it clap all goes down. <laughs> Pointing down tired face, ever want to arrow be money bag mad a director question mark what about a okay sign showrunner or egg a creative producer and give us your best idea on what the microbe emoji intro should arrow heart thinking emoji be be emoji and if pinocchio emoji you're the heart swirly emoji first pointing number one award ficklet to respond we'll do it Really easy. <laughs> Some ficlets just got this with no context in their DMs. Okay, so thank you to two ficlets who I messaged, Minna and AJ, for responding basically at the same time. So we're combining your ideas. Um, Minna offered us the concepts of what was your first fanfic and assigning each other fruits to kin. And AJ offered us the concept of doing our intro like we're true crime podcasters. So we're going to attempt to combine those. Mm-hmm. I have never listened to a true crime podcast. Like, I'm going to do my best here, but I feel like it's going to be very um, basic. Yeah, fair warning, I don't like true crime. <laughs> it was a day like any other. Nicole, age 13, I think, came home from school one day. Everyone at the high school had been talking about the hit show Glee. Nicole had not watched this show, but she did hear that, per potentially unreliable reports of classmates, two of the characters were about to enter into a gay relationship. When Nicole went to Google, do Kurt and Blaine end up together, there was no way they could have anticipated that one of the links that came up would be to fanfiction.net. And after clicking that, life as Nicole knew it changed. In the story, I let's see if I remember this correctly. <laughs> it's been a long time, but I've also always been myself. Um, in the story, either Kurt or Blaine, one of them, reports uh, conflict with one another, got into a car accident, and the other, who was his boyfriend at the time, maybe, or was yearning, stood vigil, sat vigil, I guess, at his bedside in the hospital. Were the details of the hospital accurate? Unlikely. Were the details of the medical issues that either Kurt or Blaine contracted upon being in a car accident accurate? Even less likely. But did this kickstart a new chapter of Nicole's life that people still have questions about today? Absolutely. Was that good? Was that like true crime? Yeah, I loved it. Okay, thank you. Reed looks very concerned, but no, I'm not going to worry about it. No, I'm doing some searching. Oh, okay. Oh, Reed, okay. kin a mulberry. All right. What? Kin a mulberry. <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> I think you're suggesting that Reed search the words can a mulberry, and I was no. like, can a mulberry do what? <laughs> God. No. Yeah. Okay. Do a right. little jig, maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm done. I okay. finished. I finished my intro section. Okay. I'll go next. Yeah. In the summer of 2007, Brennan decided that it would be fun to join hit microblogging website Tumblr. If you're unfamiliar with Tumblr, it was a site. <laughs> well, it is still a site, I suppose. Uh -oh. <laughs> True crime bloopers. <laughs> right, let me start that over. <laughs> this is actually inaccurate. <laughs> 
In the summer of 2007, a young woman named Brenna decided that it would be fun to potentially join hit microblogging website Tumblr. For those of you unfamiliar with Tumblr as a platform, you are able to make your own personal blog page, and then you can either create original content or reblog other people's content onto yours. At first, she was just embroiled in the world of aesthetic reblogging um, before she stumbled upon fandom. In fact, the first fandom that she ever stumbled upon was for TV show Castle. At the time, Brennan did not know that fanfiction was a thing that people write. <laughs> Wrote? Right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> That's not important right now. <laughs> For months, Brenna was content just reblogging posts and graphics and gift sets of characters from Castle um, and scenes from the TV show, behind the scenes footage and blooper gift sets. One day, she stumbled upon a link to a website called fanfiction.net. Her life would forever be changed. Yes, she did start out reading Het fanfiction. D don't at her, okay? <laughs> <laughs> then, like a year later, the people who made Castle decided to write a spin-off book that was basically also fanfiction. This reporting I do is still have that biased, somewhere, yeah. I think. Um, I being Brenna, this is a self-narration. Self um, <laughs> <laughs> this reporting is really biased. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um... Reports suggest that Brona does not remember exactly what the fanfiction was that she read. It was probably canon compliant. Um, she would also like you to know that despite Castle being the first fanfiction that she read, it was not necessarily the fandom that launched her into loving fanfiction. Um, that would come within the next six months approximately, uh, and with the later release of uh, the movie The Social Network. Um, however, it was her first exposure to the concept of fanfiction. Okay, you have to pick a fruit. Oh, um, yeah, I guess it's for you, right? Yeah. Uh, kiwi. <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> okay, see, the thing is that I did actually used to listen to true crime. I used to listen to My Favorite Murder, like, a lot. But, like, when I'm trying to think of a cadence, all I can pull up in my head is, um, Ryan from BuzzFeed Unsolved. Like, that is what's coming to my <laughs> that's See, good, I was that's just thinking good. about Only Murders, which, like, is, like, a parody mm. of things like... A cereal, which is like really funny. Um, so that's all I had to go off of. I'm just gonna say very briefly before I launch into my true crime bit. Um, standard disclaimer that like fuck J.K. Rowling, etc. But like for the purposes of like accuracy of history, we're, I'm just we're just gonna go in. Okay, great. Thank you. The year is 2007. Reed is after school at their grandmother's house. Reed goes up to their grandmother's very big computer in the corner of a bedroom that no one uses anymore, and is looking for more content for their favorite series, Harry Potter. Unfortunately, because archivals of 2007 in Reed's memory are pretty rough, um, they're not exactly sure what brought them to this page. But what is a known fact is that Reed, for the first time in their young life, stumbled upon a website called The Silver Snitch and went, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have like real audio from Reed's youth. I what is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, in fact, um, a largely very explicit and largely dreary focused Harry Potter fanfiction website. Even though... Reed's memories from 2007 might be incredibly shoddy. Luckily, you know what isn't? 
fanlore.org and its dedication to preserving <laughs> parts of the internet that may have otherwise been lost. The Silver Snitch has, in fact, long since stopped functioning as a website. I think the person who owns it, like, stopped paying for it, so it went down a number of years ago. <laughs> oh, no. However, luckily, once again, thanks to the hardworking volunteers, question mark, at fanlore.org, we have a pretty good guess as to what Reed's first fanfiction ever was, because fanlore.org has screenshots of things such as the top 10 stories on the website, and presuming that 2007-year-old Reed is the same-ish as 2023 Reed, which, yeah, more or less, um, they probably just clicked on top 10s and clicked on the first fanfic. So this is what we are assuming was Reed's first ever fanfiction. <laughs> It is <clears throat> Malfoy Flavor by Vora Biza, rated Death Sentence, <laughs> NC-17. <clears throat> <clears throat> Summary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. <clears throat> Harry's ready to banish the golden boy image and take charge of his life. Unfortunately, or fortunately, for him, there are still more surprises in store for him. Somewhat of a sixth year... Severitis? Question mark? Somewhat of a sixth-year Severitist and Slytherin Harry fic. Categories, Harry Potter slash Draco Malfoy, multi-chaptered fic. What I- Oh, sorry. Also, word count, 212k. (laughs) (laughs) What what reporters do know for sure, um, whether or not this was in fact Reed's first fanfiction, is they do know that in those early days of tearing through the website, Reed read many- far too explicit works for what they should have been consuming at that age and some pairings and some kink tags that were really honestly quite scarring and um are things that they would not peruse now as an adult but that was in fact their foray into fan fiction and they never got out wow wow great work um bren i think you should make like a cranberry and marinate in a bog for a little bit Mm, thanks you're so welcome you did it. <laughs> a successful ficlet chance. A, f- a phenomenal intro. Yeah, ficlets. If you like this, um, let us know. We might do it again. If you didn't like us, don't let us know. If you didn't like us, <laughs> well, <laughs> wait, let me try that if again. If you didn't like it, still let no. us know because we, we should know not no, to do it again. I want to do it again. Don't tell us if you didn't like it. <laughs> ficlets. If you don't want to be pulled for a ficlet chance, let us know. But we probably still will do this you again. Can just ignore it. <laughs> yeah. We picked fruit to kin, but I have to ask, is it a sin to love your spouse? Let's talk about it. <laughs> My fic for this episode is You Can Change Right Next to Me by Simon Lorden. It is a fic for Jolene, the Dolly Parton song. Uh, this fic was written for Yuletide 2022. Uh, the relationships are Jolene and the narrator, and Jolene slash man, uh, the the man that the narrator asks Jolene not to steal, I guess. Our main characters are Jolene, the narrator, and the man from Jolene. They are really our only characters in this fic. They are also the only characters in the song, so it makes sense. Um, our other tags are bisexual character, queer character, discussion of depression, and discussion of mental health. I feel like as far as content warnings go, there really aren't many for this fic. That's, I think, the tags cover the content. And it's pretty gentle content overall. It's more references to these things than, like 
heavy detailed content. This fic is just over 2,500 words long, so it is quite short. I've read it a couple times now. I read it as soon as, okay, so as soon as the Yuletide 2022 collection came out, I was excited. It comes out on Christmas morning each year, um, at least for those of us in the Pacific time zone. I think technically it's like 1 a.m., but I was asleep. Um, however, I did wake up on Christmas at like 6 a.m. for some reason. I could not tell you why. So I had like four hours to myself in the house before people were like up and about. So I read my Yuletide fic. I read a bunch of other Yuletide fics. Um, I literally just kept hitting random on the collection to see what would come up. And this was one of those fics. Um, I freaking loved it. I can't believe it only has 30 kudos. That makes me so sad, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Ficlets, let's blow this fic up. <laughs> <laughs> everything we talk about goes viral so i know um and every time an author writes a fic they're always like i hope this goes viral i heard so uh sorry simon lorden if this actually goes viral and you didn't want that but <laughs> it's not going to don't worry <laughs> <laughs> anyway i just think it's fun um this is a fic with um I think it's a pretty textbook example of the author withholding something from you, and you know they are, but by the time you get to the end, whether you have figured it out or not, I think it's still a pretty delightful way to get to the end of the story, um, and it's so fun on a reread once you actually know what's going on. So I loved this one. I've had it in my pocket to talk about on the pod since I read it on Christmas Day, so I'm happy to finally be here, and I'm very excited to see what my co-hosts thought of this story. Do I need to explain the song Jolene? Sorry, we usually like explain um, the fandom, but it's like go listen to it. Jolene, <laughs> Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm begging of you, please, please don't, don't take, take my, my man. man. All right, that's all the figlets need. <laughs> anyway, what did you think? Yeah, I enjoyed this. I didn't really know what to anticipate going in, um, which I think is kind of a great way to read it, actually. Um, so maybe go, I don't know, is this one of the ones I feel so strongly about saying go read it before you listen? But it does have a bit of a twist that I, for one, didn't see coming. Read totally saw coming. So your <laughs> your mileage may vary on anticipating the twist. Um, but if you want to go into it without any prior knowledge, um, stop listening now because I am going to spoil a little bit of it for you. Um, and then we'll spoil like the rest of it for you in, I don't know, approximately five to 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really short fit. Go read it if you want your context before you listen to this. Yeah, so I am familiar with the song Jolene um, by Dolly Parton, as many of you probably are as well. Um, and I think I have seen fic, or at least like people talking about like the concept of writing fic for Jolene before. And like usually it's like, oh, what if they were lesbians? Because it's like from the point of view of, well, I mean, the narrator who like could be Dolly Parton, but also could just be like an unnamed woman that she's singing as. Um you know, singing about Jolene, people were like, what if it's about them and not actually this this unnamed man? Um, so I kind of thought maybe that's where this was going to go. And in some ways it does, and in some ways it totally doesn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a really good time with this. It's very clever. Um, I think that's something that a lot of Yuletide fix do really well. Like, people write such short little fix for Yuletide often, and like, pack a lot of really interesting storytelling into them and I think this one did it in a very cool way. It also introduces time travel, something I totally didn't anticipate being in this fic, but I love how it was executed and the ways that it allows the narrative to play with aspects of identity and gender. Um, yeah, so I, I, I really had a good time with this. I'm excited to kind of delve into how it handles 
uh, certain aspects and sort of what my experience was on a first read, not seeing the twist coming. And then also like on a second read when I knew how it plays out, uh, what I was able to pick up on. Um, yeah, overall had a really good time. Really enjoyed this. Yes. Similar to Brenna, um, when Nick was like, I'm bringing a Jolene fic. I also was like, okay, I feel like in the handful of times that I've seen people talk about Jolene Fick or like the song Jolene, like my assumption is going to be that it's singer slash Jolene, um, which again, this fic both was and wasn't. Um, I did say last episode, I think somewhere along the lines of quote, I don't know jack shit, uh, specifically in reference to foreshadowing, like I'm really <laughs> bad at it. So kind of crushing it i guess like two for two on episodes of picking up the twist before the twist gets revealed uh-huh. um and like with certainty like i read like one line in this fic and i was like oh i know what's going on and then i was right and that was um satisfying yeah um yes i feel like i can't say a lot about this fic without getting to like what what the bulk of it is and what the twist is so i will just say that i enjoyed it Great. Yeah, so let's get a little bit into the actual content of the story. Uh, our narrator is Jessica. She is a gal. Uh, <laughs> that's not helpful. Um, she is married to a character named Matthew, who is our stand-in for the man. And we meet Jolene quite early on into the fic. Jolene is introduced as Matthew's cousin. They don't seem to know each other very well. They in at times say that they're very close and at times say that they didn't grow up together and they're getting to know each other as adults. Um, Jessica is a bit concerned about her marriage with Matthew. Um, she is like, we haven't been intimate as much lately and he's spending all of his time with Jolene and I'm spending now time with Jolene. He's encouraging us to go off and like hang out with one another and not really spend time with him. So she's worried. And over the course of the story, we get to know all three of these characters a little bit better. I think it's like an interesting kind of character and dynamic study. Um, I think they read as OCs, obviously. Um, I have more stuff to say later about what happens when your fandom that you're writing for is like not really a fandom, if you will. Like, I don't know a lot of people who identify as like Jolene fans um, in the same way that they might identify as like our flag means death fans or, you know, super <laughs> lockers, if you will. So I do think it's interesting, yeah, when there's like a lot less canon, quote unquote, content to pull from. But that is kind of our setup here. And then the end of the story, the twist that we keep referencing is the thing that makes us understand why the characters have been behaving the way they've been behaving, Matthew in particular. I feel like I need to say what it is because mm -hmm. I have a note to make about pronouns in this discussion. <laughs> Also, because the fic is quite short. It's so short, it's, yeah. It's hard you've, to talk about you've anything read it about by it. Now, if, if you started reading at the beginning of the discussion and kept listening, you still might be close to the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, spoilers, last chance. Um, at the end of the fic, we come to find, uh, so Jolene is also a writer. She talks about time travel a bit. Uh, we learn that Jolene is future Matthew come back to the present basically to talk to Matthew and to kind of interact with Jessica a bit as well but mostly to talk to and guide Matthew who is a trans woman um, and who hopes to transition and basically turn into Jolene it's a very interesting um, twist obviously I didn't see it coming the first time I read it um, though there definitely are hints strewn about throughout um, but I make this note in particular because in the fic, Jessica uses she, her pronouns, Jolene uses she, her pronouns, and Matthew throughout the course of the story is referred to with he, him pronouns because Jessica does not know that Matthew is trans. Um, it's a little bit complicated, I think, because we're talking about the story itself and not just the ending. Um, 
we've talked about this a little bit before too i think when we talked about that uh supergirl fic superman super something trans right thick lit roulette this was a long time ago yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's coming back to me now it's been a minute that was that was like two anniversaries ago yes um similarly um our language i think is going to be mirroring the text of the story because we're going to be talking about different points in the story from before the reveal um and partially because matthew is not like a real person (laughs) uh jolene is not a real person i'm not as concerned about like are we making sure that we are respecting this quote-unquote person's pronouns after the story so just know, obviously, FitClick says trans rights. We're also just trying to make sense of and discuss this in a way that is going to make the most sense and be the most intelligible for us and for you all as well. So yeah, I think one interesting thing about this is like this author, there's so much work that has to go into creating three characters basically from scratch, uh, especially when Jolene is not necessarily the expectation we might have of Jolene just listening to the song. I don't know a lot of fanfiction writers who are like, yes, I will write a catty man-stealing woman just for kicks. (laughs) So I expect in a Jolene fic that Jolene actually is going to be awesome uh, in some way because, you know, women. So I think... There is, yeah, there's like a lot of echoes of original fiction in this story. And that's something that I actually felt like I noticed in all of our picks for this episode. I'll have more to say about that later. Um, But I think, yeah, like different elements of craft and different elements of how do you actually take something as inspiration that is not necessarily like a set of characterization guidelines or a set of setting guidelines or a set of plot and trope guidelines like it's so different from a five season tv show like this is one Mm -hmm. song by dolly parton about a scenario that you are totally pulling inside out and kind of ransacking to a certain degree for inspiration for your own story yeah i think as with almost all yuletide stories i'm always curious to know if like the person that this was gifted to had like prompted anything that like led the writer to this plot or if the writer just sort of came up with this because you know with a lot of fests and stuff if you're doing the prompts on uh AO3 you'll like see a little bit of what the prompt was or something but with Yuletide you really have no idea like what the person wrote in their like your author letter or anything like that um and so especially with these ones that are taking from such a niche source material and like a limited source material of like one song um and then coming up with something that's so creative I'm always like deeply curious about sort of where the inspiration came from and like sort of almost like how that collaboration looks like it's not a traditional collaboration but as someone who's done Yuletide in the past I know that sometimes people give you a lot to work with and sometimes people are like do whatever (laughs) and I'm always like curious to know I mean in this case like Spiderfire who this was gifted to um and presumably asked for fic about the Dolly Parton song Jolene um if they were part of the sort of contribution of any of these elements or if it was really like Simon Lorden's brain at work um, only that we got this from. I mean, either way, it's amazing. I just always sort of wonder about how those things came about because to Nick's point, like there is so much originality in this and like there is not a lot from like the source text that can be drawn from, especially to create a narrative like this. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I always wonder about those things because... Like, to take that song and then be like, what I want to write is a narrative of, like, transness, and I'm going to use time travel for it, is wild and, like, amazingly creative. I'm just like, how did you get there? 
Yeah, like I'm imagining maybe um, like Spider Fires, like Dear Author Letter, if they had one was like, oh, Jolene, like, I don't know, I'd prefer Jolene, like not be, as Nick was saying, like a caddy sort of stealing a man, whatever. And then maybe somewhere in their list of likes was like trans stories. Mm -hmm. And Simon Mm -hmm. Lorden was like, I know what I can do with this. Um, Because it does feel like a very like specific, I don't don't know. I mean, maybe the author's letter was like, I would love time travel trans Jolene fic, but that feels like a fairly specific ask. Yeah. Especially because the author is like, in their end notes was like, I really hope this twist worked. Like, thank you to my friends for assuring me it did. Mm. Like, (laughs) I did try to look uh, at to see if I could find Spider 47's letter. I didn't look that hard because I feel like it, at a point it gets creepy. Um, but their AO3 Spider profile. Fire? Yeah, sorry, Spider Fire 47. Um, their AO3 profile. What's the 47? Oh, it's their Tumblr. Oh, uh, okay. yeah, so they like, listed their Tumblr, but they fire. last updated it five years ago. So I don't think oh, that's where the letter was, tragic. unfortunately. Probably yeah. not. What can you do? I feel like going into this fic, not knowing there was a twist, because I. Nick, I know you had kept sort of your comments about it fairly vague, and honestly, even if you had made comments, I don't know that I would have remembered them, because if my memory is pretty bad, that's not on you, that's on me. But, like, yeah, so I guess going in, as mentioned in the little, like, sort of intro section, not intro section, but in our little, like, how did we feel about the fix, I think Bretta and I both had a conception of what this fic was going to be, and then it wasn't. So I was, like, at first when um, Jolene showed up and Matthew was like, Jolene's my cousin, I was like, okay, that's... A bold choice, <laughs> given some of the tags and other things going on. Um, I'm intrigued to see where this goes. And then there's um, there's a line, like maybe like halfway through, where Matthew is growing out his hair, and Jessica's like, "Oh, your hair's getting pretty long. You usually cut it by now." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Matthew is trans, and Jolene is him in the future." And like, <laughs> no, I wasn't there at all. Okay. <laughs> This is the opposite of Brenna and the space war that we'll talk about later. <laughs> but it's also like Reed was right and I was wrong. Yeah, about that's space war and Julian, respectively. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think because, like, there were, like, hints of, like trans stuff going on but specifically the fact that like jolene is like a writer and like is into time travel and like gets like weirdly serious like talking about the time travel books that she's written um i was like hmm okay (laughs) the one thing that i didn't know is i was like does matthew know that jolene is him from the future or not um and he does i don't know if he knows like right when she shows up or what again it's not a long fix we don't get a whole lot going on with them um but i think that was the thing i was sort of like waiting to see how it was gonna play out um so that was, like, it was very fun. And I, I also did reread this fic again, like, after our discussion. Um, and it was really, it was, like, really gratifying to see even more of the little hints or, like, to see them all come together in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, my very brief note, since last episode was a lot of us just sharing inside personal jokes, which is really fun for our listeners. Yeah. Um, more inside personal jokes that are only fun for my co-hosts. The time travel thing was making me think about in our D&D campaign, we've recently decided that, like, all of these romance books that one character keeps picking up are actually written by a different party member, like, in the future who has time traveled backwards to write these books and leave them for us. Um, So I was like, Thomas and his books, Jolene and her books, handshake emoji. (laughs) Wow, lovely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, well, I think, too, like, it is so interesting to me to think about, like, 
I am such a character-focused writer when I'm writing stories. Like, even if I'm writing original fiction, I really need to have some sense of at least one or two of the characters before I start even plotting. If I start writing a plot, but I don't have, like, strong, grounded characters to be sitting with, then I am going to just make a mess in a document for a while until I get to a point where I need to, you know figure myself out. And so I'd be really curious to hear about this author's process too. Like, did they come up with the twist first? Did they start thinking about these three characters first? Did they think about like a premise, but not necessarily how it would play out? Like, I think there's so many ways that this could happen. It feels like such a free form, interesting soup of ideas that came together. Like, I would just wonder so much, like what actually happened in the writing process that sounds like something bad happened but like what 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 went on (laughs) while they were putting this together I just think there's like so many possibilities yeah I want to talk about like the time travel aspect a little bit I okay I will say there were like two points at which I was like hmm time travel it's interesting that this keeps getting mentioned and like at one point Jolene (laughs) is very much like maybe I've written this or like maybe I've published the story in the future after Jessica tells her that like she should get this short story of hers published and she's like maybe I did in the future um and I was like haha that's funny because it's about time travel but I did have like a little bit of like a wondering but then I was also like surely not in this story um and then surely in this story (laughs) (laughs) it was but Time travel is something that, like, I do enjoy, but can also get so complicated so fast in stories, especially as you, like, put a lot of rules around it. And I feel like a fundamental rule that often exists within time travel when it's in media of any sort is, like, a person cannot interact with their future or past self because it will, like, create some sort of paradox in the universe that will, like, be a big problem. (laughs) Um... It's unclear, like, why this is. I feel like a lot of times it doesn't actually explain to us, like, what the problem would be. Just, like, you can't do it. Um, so I felt like it was really interesting that, like, the time travel in this fic was really just there to allow Jolene and Matthew to interact as, like, versions of themselves. And, like, it's really not clear in this fic if, like, okay, getting into, like, time travel stuff. Is the Jolene of this exactly the Jolene that Matthew will become, this Matthew? Or is Jolene sort of a branch Jolene who's able to visit? Um, I don't know that it really matters, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it's just like <laughs> something that we don't actually know 100% for sure. Like the the Jolene that Matthew becomes after like the end of this fic where he tells Jessica, like, I'm a trans woman and I'm Jolene, essentially like, maybe maybe that Jolene has a slightly different life trajectory from having known Jolene in some capacity like we don't know um but I just found it so interesting because I really don't feel like I've ever read anything where I mean I've read things where like the time travel impacts like the person's partner like the a partner meets someone at like different times of the other person's life or something um but I've never really read anything where, like, character A and character A with an exclamation point, like, are the two that are, like, interacting the most. Um, so I don't know. I just found that really interesting. And, like, yeah, this sort of question of, like, what does this say about their identities? Like, they being Jolene and Matthew in this. Um, and, like, their sameness or differences. Um, and how much of that is sort of a journey of, like, individual, like, self-expression and, like, trans like being trans and like coming out and how much of it is like time travel shenanigans and like potential branch (laughs) universes yeah well i do think i've seen some of the 
character interacting with them their self their future or past self at a different point in their life but i feel like i actually see it in fics that are commenting on fame hmm like i feel like i've seen that recently of like you know k-pop idol pre-debut time travels to the future and suddenly is like hanging out with their super famous cool group members and themselves who all have like incredible skin (laughs) (laughs) and like a bunch of trophies and a huge apartment um but yeah, very much not in the same sense of like, this is specifically about identity necessarily. Those are more commentaries just on like, I don't know, personal growth in the context of group success, as opposed to personal growth in the context of realizing a potentiality that you didn't think was possible for yourself and finding happiness in that. Going back, I think, to what we were saying about like, um, wondering sort of how this author decided to structure the fic the way they did um, and the choices that were made. And specifically with the twist was making me think about uh, the three of us, well, the two of you and me at one point, but no longer, (laughs) were participating in um, like a little fic challenge fest with friends where we spin a wheel with a bunch of tropes and prompts and things and everyone has to include everything on the list and you see how wildly different all the fics can get. Um, And... Two of the things in this round of prompts were uh, nonlinear narrative and twist ending. Um, And for me, even though I have since dropped from the fest, I did come up with a fake concept. I just didn't have time to write it. Um, For me, I was like, oh, I have to work backwards from those two. Like, those were the two biggest prompts for me that I was like, I cannot come up with a story and then figure out how to work them in because... I will find that way more challenging. So now I'm wondering back to our like, oh, what was in Spider-Fire's letter? If like maybe Spider-Fire mentioned liking a twist ending and the author was like, how can I do this? And then go backwards from there. Because I I have to imagine that like, even if the author was like, oh, maybe I'll write like, you know, trans Jolene fic. I don't know how you get to like time travel from there. If that isn't (laughs) sort of already your starting point. Like if your starting point isn't already like, I want this to be something of a surprise. So I don't know. I was just thinking about that. Like, I feel like for a fake like this, I would need to sort of work backwards to make it work. Yeah. The When we rolled twist ending, when we spun it on the wheel, I, I wanted to go lie in the mud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. Me, me as well. Um, how much do we think my twist ending qualifies as a twist? Um, not a lot, if I'm honest, but we do our best. <laughs> Dude, I came up with a great twist ending and nonlinear narrative. I just... So you guys can good, take right? it. You can take that idea. Like, I guess. I'm already this deep into my idea. Though. It does not fit either of your fic mm-hmm. ideas at all. <laughs> Mine was like very much like a horror bent. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yeah. Um, no, I just think it's interesting. Um, we put a 7K cap on this fest so that we would all like finish in time, honestly. And I am I struggle to even get a twist in there in that amount of space. So for this author to do it under 3K, I just find so impressive. Like, wow, how did this work? <laughs> I just love short fiction in part because when it's good, it makes you ask so many questions about how something actually functioned on a craft level that I really love. Yeah, Nick suggested that we all like reread this fic, and I definitely feel like it benefited from that as well. Or like, I don't know, I benefited from it, I guess is a better way to say that. Um, Especially because I did not really pick up on the time travel or Matthew being trans aspects of this piece of fan fiction. Um, So going back and like rereading it, 
It's so interesting. And I feel like honestly, Jolene becomes a much more rich character once I sort of combine her and Matthew in some ways. Like not that she isn't, but like you only can do so much with 2K. Like genuinely, you only have so many words you can put in. Um, And so like, a lot of it is Jessica kind of wondering about Jolene and they have these experiences, but a lot of it's like in Jessica's head, like her being like, I don't really understand what this relationship is between Matthew and Jolene. Like, I really like both of them. Like I'm having like all these fond feelings for Jolene. Like, what does this mean? Like, I don't, so we're in Jessica's sort of confused POV a lot. And it was interesting to go back and sort of be a little bit more of an outside spectator, I guess, and like realize sort of how the parts of people's identities came together in this in this work, um, which was just like really satisfying. I really enjoyed that that aspect. Um, and again, yeah, it just like made both Matthew and Jolene in this like much more like layered characters once you realize they're to some degree the same person. Um, I don't know. It was just like a really cool reading experience. So I would definitely recommend that as well for any of our listeners. All right. Uh, now is when we would have done a performance of Jolene, but unfortunately, um, Brenna was unable to learn the piano part in time. So that is the reason uh, that we're not going mm-hmm. to be performing for you, Ficklets. Um, maybe next time. We'll see. Um, however, regardless of whether we perform or not, that was our discussion of You Can Change Right Next to Me by Simon Lorden, a really lovely fic that I think was a lot of fun and that I think you all should read if you haven't already, even though we spoiled the F out of it. Um, if you got this far and you still want to read it, I think it's totally worth it. In Nick's fic, Jolene travels through time. In Reed's fic, Pierre and Danny travel in a car. Not through time. So my fic is The Love Stories We Share Around Starfires by Distressed Gremlin. It is for the fandom Formula One, um, although it is an AU, so you don't really need to know anything. Um, The pairing is Pierre, Danny. I know one of these boys. I know Pierre. And I would have thought if I ever was going to read slash bring Pierre fic to the pod, it would have been Pierre Yuki. But um, I don't know. I was bookmark browsing and I found this. I still don't really know who this man is. Um, uh, Daniel Kvyat, I think is how you say his name. Um, he's Danny in the fic. Yeah, so this is fully an Apocalypse AU, um, End of the World. It is literally just tagged for Apocalypse, Road Trips, and then Road Trips at the End of the World, Boogie Woogie. Um, along those lines, I feel like the content warnings are kind of what you would expect from the genre. Like, implied character death of everyone in this fic. It's not on screen. Um, the proper End of the World does not, like, happen explicitly in this fic but it is very much like um something of a natural slash outer space disaster that is going to destroy the earth um and they're just road tripping to find danny's parents um presumably to spend out the rest of their days together that's it i would say for content warnings like i guess like also you could put something around like mental health in the sense of like it's it's rough because it's the end of the world, but, like, they don't really super get explicitly into anything. Um, So I don't read a ton of Apocalypse AU fics. As I mentioned, I just kind of found this browsing around. Um, But one of the things I found really interesting about this fic, and part of the reason I wanted to bring it, is because it does have an extended author's note, or, like, an author's commentary Google Doc linked in the end. And one of the things this author says fairly early on is that they wanted to write a story about like the minutiae and the mundanity at the end of the world, which is very much what this fic feels like to me. And I liked that framing so much. It really worked for me. 
Um, I think if this author was trying to tell a story that was any bigger than that, this fic could not have been 4K. It would have needed to be much longer if they were trying to sort of tackle big scale stuff. Um, so I think it made a lot of sense to sort of like narrow in on Pierre and Danny and pick this one framing device that is their road tripping. And I don't know. I mean, I, th I think the tag like road trip at the end of the world is always going to make me go eyes emoji. <laughs> yeah. um, because I do love a road trip and like... Yeah, I don't know. I guess like what do you what do you do sort of when the world is ending? Like what what does your world narrow down to? What choices do you make? I was like not actually expecting this fic to upset me in a lot of even though it is apocalypse, I was like, oh, I'll just read it. And then there were a couple things, like specifically like some like messages and stuff that were left that like really got me and I was like, oh, that hits really hard. Um but I did not find this like overall like super depressing again with the same way that I was trying to like couch the content warnings like it's a heavy-ish genre but I don't think that this is like the heaviest of fix um or like the most upsetting or like doesn't like dig into the super nitty-gritty of like the world ending so I guess that's my context I'm giving you for sort of like the framing and the tone of this fic but I liked it a lot um I do find it funny that I brought two Formula One fix to the pod and both of them have been wildly AU and also not for like pairings or like drivers that I particularly follow. But, um, you know, I don't know. I feel like Brenna's got like the Maxiel or if you're Nick, the manual corner um, pretty well established. So I'll be over here bringing my yeah. niche Formula well, One fix. It's manual for all of us now. <laughs> it is yeah. manual for all of us. We've accepted manual Ever into our I hearts. that people actually call Daniel Lando Dando. I was like, manual sounds so normal. <laughs> <sighs> wow, fandom is gonna fandom. Fandom is gonna fandom. I'll just be over here bringing my niche Formula One fic to the pot, I suppose. Um, my co-hosts, what did you think about this fic? Yeah, this is a very, like, meditative, atmospheric fic. I would say I'm probably the... Sorry, I <laughs> <laughs> I look up and read is doing slapstick on camera. <laughs> I tried to get my water and I yeeted my headphones out of my ears. All right. Okay, well... I was gonna say, um, I am probably the apocalypse fic junkie of the three of us, um... It's something that I definitely used to reach for more. I think like many people, my tolerance for stories like this went down since the beginning of 2020. You will never guess why. Um, but when I was younger, especially, I used to love like end of the world stories. And um, there's a One Direction fic called Things Are Getting Closer to the Sun that I think about a lot. It's like almost 50k and it is like it opens with them learning that an asteroid is going to hit Earth in however many weeks um, and they spend their last weeks together. Anyway, I just really <laughs> was thinking about that fic while I was reading this one, actually. The sense of, like, there is space for mundanity and normalcy because the world ending soon doesn't mean the world ending now. And, like, as humans, we're only able, I feel like, to emotionally cope with so much. Like, there is a sense of, like, well, I have to proceed as normal to some degree. This is quite a short fic. I don't think that there was space necessarily in what this author particularly wanted to tell for some of those kind of, like, longer form details and that sense of time stretching onward um, that I've seen in other sort of apocalypse stories. But this one was much more, it felt like, about 
setting in the language of the story and utilizing that and particular details to create a more like evocative atmosphere. So I find it interesting. It is the first end of the world fic I've read in a while. Um, I've become very turned off of zombie AUs recently, not for any particular reason, honestly. I mean, part of it, yeah, like world scary, illness scary. Um, but also, I don't know, lately I've just been like, ugh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> I can assume then that you have no intention of watching The Last of Us. Um, no, series. I mean, I wouldn't have regardless. Well, but... <laughs> I don't, the Ashley Johnson, Laura Bailey draw, who knows? I already saw all the gifts of their scenes, so I'm <laughs> That's good. That's so fair. <laughs> I know how to consume pieces of media I want to without watching shows. It's my talent. It is your talent. <laughs> so valid. Yeah, no, I will not be watching The Last of Us. Um, but now this is, honestly, I feel like I've opened back up a little bit based on this story. Like, maybe I will poke at some more Apocalypse AUs than I have been recently. I'm not in the right fandoms for them, I don't think, right now. Um, so maybe I'll poke around in other places, especially as I look for things for the pod. But yeah, thank you, Reed, for bringing this genre that we have not touched much or at least in a very long time yeah i also don't read much like apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic fic or like any sort of media it's partially because i just like don't feel drawn to it but also partially because i'm really picky about it just on a very personal level for very personal reasons um so i really appreciated what this author set out to do and there are a lot of points of this that i enjoyed i think aspects of it just didn't hit for me like just purely based on what I like or don't like in media that deals with this, um, which I don't know. I think we usually kind of try and talk around that in Fit Click, and we bring our personal preference to the table in in little amounts <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's like it's impossible to be a human who doesn't have like preferences <laughs> and likes and dislikes. And I think like you know when those aren't harmful, then it's like fine to express them maybe a little bit more than we sometimes do. Um, so like no hate to this author, Distressed Gremlin, which by the way is a banger. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> good. <laughs> I feel like I have a lot of admiration for what they did here and definitely have some things I want to talk about that I really enjoyed. But also, I think, yeah, it didn't hit for me as much because of my, like, preferences and particularities with this genre, um, which I'll talk a little bit about just, you know, yeah, my personal feelings, um, <laughs> which, again, are not limited to this one thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, also, like, have morphed a bit in the last few years related to the pandemic as well. Um, I think that definitely made me even more particular about sort of fix a deal with any sort of major world crisis, uh, whether or not it's like sort of quote world ending. So one thing about this fic that I found really interesting um, is in addition to the author's commentary, the author like mentioned specifically both in the author's notes and then also in the commentary, like uh, outside things that influenced sort of like why they wrote this or like the framing of this. They mention the um, short story, The Ghost Stories We Tell Around Photon Fires by Cassandra Kaw, uh, which um, clearly influenced the title a bunch. But also in their commentary, they mention um, a poem, uh, Life to the Last Drop by Mahmoud Darwish. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I wanted to read a little snippet of it because, I th again, I feel like it sort of like helps con contextualize like what kind of story this author was trying to tell. So just a little snippet. If someone said to me again, suppose you were to die tomorrow, what would you do? I wouldn't need any time to reply. If I felt drowsy, I would sleep. If I was thirsty, I would drink. If I was writing, I might like what I was writing and ignore the question. If I was having lunch, I would add a little mustard and pepper to the slice of grilled meat. 
and so on and so forth. And it's all of these like very little things. Um, and essentially, obviously saying like, what else can I do but continue to live on the way that I have? Um, and I feel like that is so much the impetus for Pierre and Danny. So I guess to give a little bit more context for this fic, apart from it just being an Apocalypse AU, um, at the very beginning of the fic, you find out that Danny um, has just returned from war. This war t- takes place on Earth. We'll circle back to that later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that, Reed. I bet our listeners were really wondering. Yeah, you are like, so Could good. it have taken place in outer space? <laughs> and and some readers might wonder that. Yeah. Um, Danny has just gotten back from war where he's been away for three years. Um, and like sort of in that same intro bit where the two of them are reuniting, um, it says 6,180 kilometers away, a fragment of a star falls from the sky and sets a forest aflame. So you get the context that the world was not in a great state before this started. And then bits of asteroid maybe are falling down, setting the world on fire. Um, and there is just like not enough time to do anything about it. So like cities are getting like evac notices, but it's like, where, where do we evacuate to? Like, the Northern Hemisphere is saying to go south and the Southern Hemisphere is being littered, like, with these, like, star fragments as well. So, you know, kind of a sense of, like, oops, well, I guess there's nothing to be done. Um, world fucked. World fucked. So, Pierre and Danny start by going west to presumably catch a flight somewhere, find out that the airports are closed, as they have been this whole past time in the war, and then decide to go east um, to Moscow to be with Danny's family, which is the plans that they already were going to do in a month when the world was presumably not ending. And so they've just sped up their timeline a little bit. Um, And so you're getting these little snippets as they sort of speed their way through Belgium, Germany, Poland, like all of these places, like these little snapshots of being on the road of people that they encounter and sort of the, I don't want to say the signs of humanity that are still left. That's not true. Like everyone's still around, but sort of the the bits of people and civilization that they encounter along the way. Um, that is sort of the the framing of this fic. Yeah, to clarify on the space war um, <laughs> aspect <laughs> really quick. So this is entirely on me and not the fault of the author whatsoever. I am a clown. So uh, very early in this fic, there is a missive that comes to Pierre from Danny. And the sort of timestamp um, on it says 20XX Mars 28 AM 1026. And you want to know what I thought about the word Mars is I thought the planet (laughs) and I thought, oh, Danny's been off at Space War. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, you know, it wasn't until we got another one and then the month was also in French and I was like, oh, okay, that was French, not um, (laughs) not the planet Mars. So that did frame a little bit of how I was viewing this. And I was like, why are we not discussing the space war aspect of this also because there's an article a little bit later that's like quoted that says like where are we gonna go mars and i was like yeah i guess you've been up there like terraforming it or like mining it or like fighting over like ore rights on mars like maybe you should go to mars opinion column humanity should flee to anyway. mars 
<laughs> like I'm obsessed Verena. with them. The idea of them going to an airport, finding out like, no, like there's no flights. Like the planes have all been grounded for three years. Asterisk, but like the rocket ships are still going. Like we had to get our people home from Mars, but the actual planes, none well, of them. Well, like there's very much things in wartime where like military planes are the only things that can take off. Like, I don't know. That's not <laughs> completely impossible. No, no. It's just funny to think about. Yeah. Well, my favorite part is how quickly that assumption would be confirmed because it's like there was a space war and then suddenly like shards of things are falling from space yeah <laughs> exactly like, yeah you, people are <laughs> the space people got pissed off well i didn't expect think that there were like aliens necessarily i just assumed like i don't know yeah I was thinking the kind of like the expanse. They've used up a lot of Earth, so then they go try and like take resources from other planets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, classic low level or not low level, but like classic near future sci-fi kind of stuff. Yeah, no, it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, it's just also amazing. It's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Oopsie daisy. I mean, who amongst us on this pod has not wildly misinterpreted a thing in the fic and then been like, oh, what? Not me. Well, all right. I will say um, on the note of the telegrams, the the author mentions again in their author's commentary, like really liking sort of like telegrams and messages back and forth. And like one of the things that really hit for me in this fic were those little messages and like messages left behind, messages sent to one another. Um, and that second telegram we see where it's confirmed that the months are in French um, <laughs> is the first the first time in this fic that I got like really like, oh, I am I am upset. The telegram's written in French. I'm not going to try to read it in French. That would be absolutely clownish of me. I don't know how to speak that language. But the translation is, Mom and Dad, we are going to Danny's parents' house, the same address as before. Come to, I love you, 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 Pierre. That really got me. I was like, oh, horrible. And especially because, like, I think it is, like, shortly before that telegram, too, is when, like, their GPS cuts out and their phones stop working. So it's like... It really just kind of feels like a message into the dark. Like, you know that Pierre's parents are not going to get this message and you know that they're not going to meet at Danny's house, or at least you can make those assumptions because, like, communication has been totally shut down. But that's still that sort of, like, desire and hope to, like, to reach out and think, like, maybe it will reach them and maybe he'll get his, his, I almost said reconciliation. Maybe he'll be reunited with his family before everything ends. Um, I was gutting. I was very upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, that was also one of my favorite things about this fic. Like, an apocalypse story, an end-of-the-world story, is not going to feel like it has any heart if there's nothing to lose. Like, I think the more emphasis we have on these, like, connections that we have with one another, on, like, the beauty of the world and the beauty of humanity, like, that's the stuff that is going to hit way harder than, like, man, everything sucks and it's so bad. (laughs) Like, I feel like in this day and age on this world that is not currently ending um to my knowledge we get plenty of the like everything sucks and is bad and it doesn't seem to really hit in the same way you know like i really appreciated those little moments i think and specifically the reminders that there is a world outside of just danny and pierre um it's meant to feel very insular as a story um it's very the the world gets very small around them as they move it's almost like you know in a video game where i'm a gamer um you go like underground and your character has a little flashlight and it just lights up the part that you're around and you have to move 
to be able to see more of it. That's how this story kind of felt to me when they're on their little road trip. Like you get glimpses of more and more things, except it's not necessarily that we're seeing more of Europe. Like I guess we are, but we're seeing more of like a progression of story as we go forward in this really interesting flashlight, very, very close, very detail oriented way. Um, and I did think that was really interesting as a choice when like the world is so big, there was a war that we get really vague details about, like everything in that expanded view is very blurry. And it's only when we zoom in very, very close that we start to understand really what the core of the story is about. Yeah, I definitely liked its narrow focus, honestly, like, I think one of the things I really enjoy about sort of like, I don't know, it's not necessarily post apocalyptic, but just like, I think it's interesting in like a day and age where like we rely heavily on technology when all of that is cut off and something that happens very early is Pierre realizing his phone doesn't work anymore um, and like the GPS doesn't work and they're just going to have to like wing it basically and hope that like they remember the maps um, and like can read the interstate signs and stuff. Um, And I definitely like when a fix sort of brings it back down to just like what our main characters can connect with in that moment and like the information that they're gathering. I think especially in like sort of a crisis situation that makes it feel a lot more realistic and like just adds a level of like interest because it's only relying on like what they can, what they know at any given moment. And so I like, I also like like these moments where they sort of do run into a few other people who like we kind of get a perspective of like what's happening in the world from like an innkeeper who's like okay like I'm technically closing but you guys can stay here one last night like I'll probably be gone by the time you're up in the morning um and like the bits of graffiti that they see at the very end like these kind of other small signs of like people kind of also coping with this crisis in the same way that they are um I really enjoyed like that aspect of it I did want to note, like, in terms of the prose of this story, like, this is a fic that, and especially with the author's commentary that they did, like, in a Google Doc with comments on GDocs, like, explaining their process, this feels like such a focused on craft and technique story, and it is so, uh, like, centered around almost the language that this author chose to use, and the specific kind of cadence of the prose and the prettiness and like the detail that's meant to left to leave you kind of winded. This all felt so classic read bait in a way that was really <laughs> making me laugh as I was reading it. I was like, yeah, of course. It mm-hmm. reminded me a little bit of some of those early fics that you brought read. Um and I don't even remember which ones, honestly. Mate no, not dreaming through the decades. <laughs> there was a different one, I feel like. That doesn't help at all. <laughs> not that one, a different one. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like shifting through my brain. I'm like, what did I bring early on? Obviously, Stone Until We Die, episode one slash two. Of course. No, yeah, not yeah, that yeah. one either. Anyway, regardless, um, I was just thinking about that a little bit too of like, I don't know. It feels like such a specific quality to this prose and I cannot put my finger on it exactly. But I think there is something with the like the sparseness in terms of it being on the shorter side. We don't get very many long paragraphs at all. We get some longer sentences and lists, but they are so carefully like edited and selected each item on the list. Um, the combination of that element of sort of sparseness and conciseness with the kind of greater story happening and the greater allegory and the background and the way particular words are meant to evoke certain things. Um, Words evoking things. Yeah, that's just writing. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) you know what I mean. (laughs) The particularity of it, I guess, was just really reminding me of you. It was making me laugh. 
I think speaking of, I don't know, particularities, um, I am someone who, okay, my brain like fixates on crises, particularly like the kind of like natural disaster or like world, like, I don't know, like war, not so much because honestly, I've been very privileged to live in a country where I feel very like far from physical violence of that sort being enacted upon me and the people I love, but Definitely, like, natural disasters or, like, pandemic disease kind of disasters, things that are large-scale crises. Like, my brain really fixates on that kind of stuff and, like, how you'd prepare and deal with it. Um, And because of that, I find it both kind of, like, it's sort of hard to read post-apocalyptic or, like, apocalyptic stuff sometimes because, like, it can hit really hard and, like, become something that I think about a lot and that, like, stays with me. But also, like, if there's stuff that I don't find accurate or that I find confusing or, like, that's not really how it would play out, like, that's frustrating for me at the same time. Um, So I will voice one small gripe with this fic, and that is the fires. The fires frustrated me (laughs) because I'm also someone who lives in a state that has had huge forest fires every summer for my whole life and i've seen the like how fast they can spread and the amount of damage that they can wreak and so like when when danny and pierre were like parked near like a fire that had started from like a falling star shred i was mad at them i was like go go further away i was yelling at my screen a little bit (laughs) like get out of there do you do you want to live to continue on to moscow like i guess not because you're just gonna park by the forest fire um (laughs) anyway if you're like not familiar with forest fires you probably would not be feeling the same way that i am um but i live in a place where that's a major national or a major natural hazard um and have witnessed the devastation it can wreak on communities so in some ways i'm like yeah these star things falling and starting fires would be like hugely dangerous and concerning also, they would spread really fast. Get out of there, boys. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I did have like a few. My brain just really gets like caught on that kind of stuff, um, which is not to say that like the prose isn't lovely here. Um, I'm just someone who like fixates on the particulars of emergency crisis situations. And I think also like, honestly, like the pandemic affected me in a way because as someone who like thinks about these things, I really expected people to react in a particular way when we had this sort of world crisis happening and people did not react the way I thought they would at all and like it's really been something that I've had a hard time wrapping my mind around in a lot of ways and now like my expectations for how people would react are kind of like skewed um and it's like hard for me to consume media where like people are being responsible and like kind when that isn't what we saw like in reality anyway so last episode, uh, Nick said in reference to Brenna's fake, which was about um, character traversing the underworld that stories that are about grief are actually about love. And I feel like that was something that I was also thinking about when I was reading this fic, um, and something that this author probably was also thinking about. There's a line explicitly in the fic that, like, the closest thing to sadness is actually hope, and, like, that sort of, like, choking hope that you can't get rid of, that things might turn out okay even when you know differently. But I was thinking particularly about that line about, like, love and hope and connection and a little bit what we were talking about earlier about seeing sort of other people... um, at the very end of the fic, uh, Pierre and Danny, as they're crossing into Russia, I think, see a sign that's full of graffiti. And Danny gets out and he writes some graffiti um, that's written in Cyrillic. And Pierre says, what does that mean? It means I love you, Danny says. Um, and then I went and I popped it into Google Translator and it's, there is no more time for grief. And I said, 
Uno reverse card, I am the distressed gremlin now, and I'm under your bed gnawing at your ankles. Um, oh, how wow. dare you? The AO3 user distressed gremlin. Um, oh, yeah. That was so deeply upsetting. But also, again, like, I don't know. It really felt like, if not the heart of this fic, I think a, a big thing that this author was bringing into the story is, yeah, grief and love and hope and how those things intersect um, and the perseverance of, yeah, of love and hope even in the face of sure world destruction. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's going to do it for our conversation on the love stories we share around Starfires by Distressed Gremlin. Um, who knows? Perhaps the next time I bring a Formula One fic, it will be canon compliant. But as mentioned, maybe I'll just, maybe I should just try to like one up, like get further and further away <laughs> from anything remotely. Because like this one actually is almost like closer to canon because they drive in a Renault. And so like that's, <laughs> yeah, they're closer yeah. to being Formula One drivers than they were in the last one, which was like, I think allegedly a Cars 2 AU. A little bit unclear on that one still. That came up in the server recently. And yes. I was like, I do not have answers for you. We can't help. Oh, I we still have, have not seen I need Cars to watch two. Cars 2. I have been a clown. I still haven't watched. <laughs> it Ugh, click watch night disappointing. yeah truly yeah keep saying um, but yeah thank you ao3 user distress gremlin for writing this lovely little meditation on humanity and connection at the end of the world both my fic and brenna's fics are stories about journeys through hostile environments brenna Yeah, my fic for this episode was Any Greenness is Deeper Than Anyone Knows by Desdemona Kalos. Um, this is a fic that is for Over the Garden Wall, which is a one season cartoon that I love dearly. Um, and so do many other people on the internet. It's definitely something that became a cult classic. Um, and like, I think has found more fans since it got cancelled, honestly. Um, this is a gen fic, uh, and honestly, mostly centers on an original character, Charlotte, who ends up, quote, over the garden wall and sort of on a similar journey of trying to find her way back home that Greg and Wirt do in our actual, like, original season of Over the Garden Wall. Um, I would say this is canon divergent. It takes, like, a different ending from canon um, and sort of explores that hypothetical using these OC characters. Uh, I've wanted to bring something for Over the Garden Wall for a while because I really love the canon media but was having a hard time finding fic that I wanted to bring and then I was just like desperately in someone's bookmarks like help I have nothing um and then I encountered this and it was delightful this was also for Yuletide 2022 um so relatively recently um I mean a few months ago but uh yeah I really like this I think it stayed very true to the atmosphere and world of canon even while introducing some OCs to us and did some really interesting stuff with Wirt's character and hypotheticals for me personally um I apologize to Nick who had no context for Over the Garden Wall and who I forgot to like fill in on it before reading this fic <laughs> I was imagining the Gravity Falls characters <laughs> sorry yeah, everyone sorry. I got my shows mixed it's up it's a really different tone literally like during um, pre-discussion you're like this is the one with Dipper and Mabel and yeah. we were like I was no. so proud I was like Dipper Pines I even know the last name <laughs> it was like wrong show <laughs> I do also love Gravity Falls but this is very much over the garden wall um yeah I'm really excited to talk about this one co-hosts what were your reading experiences like yeah um I too enjoy over the garden wall I watched it for the first time I think on Brenna's recommendation I've watched it a couple times now did we, Bren, did we watch it together when I came to visit 
for Halloween. Yeah. We did. Okay, okay, okay. I know we had talked about it. I was trying to remember if we actually had or not. Um, yeah, I think I've seen it three times all the way through now. I don't know. It's very short. Um, and it is I delightful. I watch it every year. I mean, like, it literally is, like, the perfect Halloween time show to watch. Um, if you haven't, would recommend. I had read a couple of Over the Garden Wall fix specifically in looking for fix for the pod, but I hadn't, like, gone searching in that tag for years, so I was kind of delighted that Brenna brought this. I feel like Over the Garden Wall as a show has such, like, a particular cadence. Like, everything is, like, just a little bit off and just a little bit not the way you expect, like... Things that seem sinister are actually fine and vice versa. Not always. Sometimes things that are sinister are just sinister. The beast is just bad. But like, um, I feel like it really flips things on its head. And it's also got like such a a particular like comedic tone to it. And I feel like this fic did a really good job of like mirroring all of those things. Um, especially in like certain parts of like dialogue is where I really felt that come through. Where it was like, it, it just had a lot of over the garden wall quality to it. And I think it was a really interesting choice to make this sort of like that the overall structure is very similar to the plot of the show where it is a child looking to get home. Um, but as Brenna said, it has that canon divergence. Uh, I think the ways in which canon from the show came in, especially at the end, were really interesting. I definitely have some thoughts about that as well. Um, and I liked Charlotte as our little like OC to follow. I thought she was, I don't know if that precocious is quite the right word, but I she was a fun adventurer to be following for this fic. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Yes, I did my best. Do I know about Over the Garden Wall? No. I watched, a, Brenna sent me a clip that I watched. Uh, looks interesting. Not my usual kind of show. <laughs> I don't know that I will ever watch it. Um, but, you know, it, it's got a very, like, kind of dark fairy tale-esque vibe to it, as far as I can tell. Um, perhaps with a bit more irony <laughs> than you might expect out of a fairy tale. Um but yeah, I like Charlotte as a main character here. I have a lot to say about the setting, honestly. I feel like that was the thing that stuck out the most to me. Um, I found it like the like my fic, the Jolene fic. And also, I didn't talk about this last discussion, but with Reed's fic as well, because I, I don't know those Formula One drivers from Adam. Um, I read this as original fiction, and this one, I think, actually has quite a lot of elements of original fiction. Um, Charlotte is an OC. I know this. She's not from over the garden wall at all. Um, and we have some other characters that are original, that are, like, pulling from different archetypes. Yeah, so, like, it, it did work. I think you can read this fic if you don't know about Over the Garden Wall. There's definitely references you will miss, and then you have to have your co-hosts listen to them, I guess, talk about it in pre-discussion, and you're like, ah, noise. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go back and you, like, read the ending, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, this makes a little bit more sense than it did before. But no, overall, I mean, I liked it. It was, like, this is not a fic I ever would click on or like finish reading on my own just because I like why would I do that I feel like what's that um <laughs> you know so um I appreciate as always this pod giving me the opportunity to poke into something that I otherwise would not have gotten myself into yeah I think I'll definitely talk about something like the fairy tale ish elements but I think for me something that's compelling about over the garden wall is that like to me, it's more like Alice in Wonderland than, like, uh, traditional fairy tale, I think. Like, it's got a lot of sort of quirky, like, traveler trying to find way home stumbles through series of bizarre occurrences that are, like, not, like, sometimes more harmful than others. Sometimes they're just strange, um, guided by strange little creatures. 
um, which like I am a known Alice in Wonderland lover and fairy tale reteller hater. So yeah, that's I think why it works better for me. Your multitude. <laughs> um, I know it's a thin line, but it's it's a it's a uh, important one for me. Um, no, but I wanted to just give a little bit of context for this fic before we like get into our discussion of like specific parts of it. Um, so as we mentioned, uh, Charlotte is our OC who ends up sort of into the world of over the garden wall. Um, She falls in a river and when she ends up on the other side, it is not the land that she came from. And she encounters a cat called cat and frog called frog um, who kind of help her guide her through this world and attempt to find her way home. They also warn her of the beast. And if you're familiar with over the garden wall, you know of the beast from the original show. Uh, The beast here is different. Um, Basically the canon divergence of this fic is that at the end of the show um Wirt and Greg and Beatrice don't sort of like foil the woodsman and the beast's plan and like go home um instead like Wirt is sort of corrupted and starts to become the beast um yeah so I really found that an interesting and rich textual choice to explore um this is tagged with Beast Wart, which makes me wonder if there's other fix with that tag. I didn't actually go look, um, but I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if this is something that people wanted to explore. I think it's a really interesting, like, direction to go. Um, yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts about that, but I just sort of wanted to set the scene for what actually happens in this. And Charlotte, towards the end, encounters Beast Wart and sort of has this conversation with him before... She gets pulled away by Frog and Cat, and presumably they will continue on their journey and hopefully get Charlotte home, but we don't actually see, like, the end of that in this fic. Um, Yeah, so lots to talk about, but wanted to kind of give you the setup before we get into, like, specific little bits. 183 works in Beast Wirt. Ah, thank you. That's a lot more than I would have guessed. I don't know, though. I don't know the size of this I think I've seen fan fandom. art of it, so that made me wonder that there was, like, fic. Mm, but I've, yeah. I haven't engaged with a lot of fic for Over the Garden Wall, but I've seen tons of, like, fan art and stuff. Mm-hmm. So Ah, 1.5k fics for Over the Garden Wall. Nice. Very interesting. Yeah, I had read uh, a fic for Over the Garden Wall ages ago. I'm starting to think that I read it just as my own fic research at one point, because I kept referencing it in pre-discussion, <laughs> and my co-hosts were like, what are you talking about? But every time I was like, oh, yeah, 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 like in the fic. Because <laughs> that's my only point of like knowledge about this show. And that was slightly an AU as well, though less so than this one. Um, so I just wanted to note that uh, I I have read a fic for this show before, technically. <laughs> but it was a long time ago, and I didn't end up bringing it, so who knows where it is now. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of thoughts about Beast Wirt, um, as I know that Brenna does as well. Um, and just for some like brief additional context from the OG canon, when you meet the Beast, it's also sort of in tandem with the Woodsman. Sort of, again, playing into the like, fairy tale-esque thing, like people have sort of tropes or designations. Um, like, you only know him by the Woodsman. And he goes into the forest to chop down Edelwood trees. I am so convinced I'm going to say Edelgard trees, and that's not right. She is a character from Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> they are not trees of Edelgard. Um, Edelwood trees, which are very specific types of trees. Um, and the reason that he cuts them down is they make an oil to keep the lantern burning. Um, you find out that, like, allegedly the soul of the woodsman's daughter is in the lantern, so if the lantern ever goes out, she will die for real. And that Edelwood trees are made of 
other souls of people who the beast has basically convinced to give up on life in despair, and they just get subsumed into a tree and then turned into oil. Rough. Um, in this fic, Wirt appears to have taken on the role of both beast and woodsman, or like lantern bearer, I guess maybe more accurately. Um, he is referred to as the beast. That is what Cat and Frog refer to him as, and there are definitely like attributes about him like he's got the kind of um quote-unquote candy colored eyes and he's got antlers and like he definitely has more i think like beast attributes than woodsman but he is also carrying the lantern which i found kind of interesting because to me those characters are kind of like opposed like it feels like there will always be a beast there will always be a woodsman but the woodsman exists because the beast has basically convince the woodsman that he needs to take up this role that he must be the lantern bearer that he must keep the lantern lit which you find out in the show not true uh the the like quote-unquote soul in the lantern if there ever was one not the woodsman's daughter um i think you kind of get the impression that there was never really actually a soul there and his daughter is like well and alive and back at their cottage at home um so he is able to sort of break free and i think like making Wirt both the beast and the lantern bearer both worked and didn't work for me in some ways. I think, again, because I see those as sort of like, they are always in tandem with one another. They feel like, I don't know, like planets circling, a planet in a moon or something. Like they're always going to be in conversation with one another, but they are not the same. Um, but I do think that because Wirt in this fic, like, he still also retained a lot of his like Wirtness. I mean, more of his like pessimism, but like, He's still a boy. Like, Charlotte remarks on that a couple times, that he is just, like, a teenage boy. And I think, like, he's in the process of becoming the Beast, and there's... I don't know if this is, like, exactly an implication in the fic or maybe just an assumption I was making, but, like, I kind of got the impression that, like, maybe Wirt could have, like, lured Charlotte into the forest to maybe take up the future mantle of Lantern Bearer. Like, he was carrying the lantern now, but maybe when he... As he gets further and further into his transformation into being the beast, he would find someone else to pick up that role. I don't know. I think, like, there are just a lot of... I don't know. I think because of the way that this diverges from canon, there are a lot of potentialities for ways that it could go. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's it's kind of unclear at to what point, or, like, honestly, like, what Wirt even is here. Like, Charlotte's like, aren't you the beast? And Wirt doesn't really seem to be able to answer that. And at one point he refers to, like we as you being Charlotte, me, and the Beast. Um, so it's sort of like an interesting medley of things. Like, Wart is in the process of becoming, I feel like, in this fic. Um, and, like, he's been convinced by the Beast that everyone around him, primarily Greg and Beatrice, abandoned him. And now he's sort of mopily wandering through the forest um becoming the beast and sort of trying to convince other people like charlotte of this and i could definitely see it going a few different directions from here and we like don't really know what direction it will go um i think there's still a slight potential for work to like escape this fate um or to like realize uh that he wasn't abandoned um and then there's definitely a potential for charlotte to either sort of be convinced by work to like join him and become the sort of woodsman lantern bearer type character and also be like yes i've been alone and abandoned um or to not uh we don't really know how that's gonna play out but i find that really interesting like i i I think it did work for me how Wirt was positioned in this fic but it's definitely not a clear-cut answer um like he's playing a bunch of different roles and we don't really know like what's gonna happen um yeah i think i I wanted to reference really quick 
the theme song for Over the Garden Wall, which I dearly love and is sung by a little frog, and it's what I sent you yes. earlier, Nick. Um, there's a couple lines from it that I think really encapsulate sort of like the like what Over the Garden Wall is doing. And in the middle it says, But where have we come and where shall we end? If dreams can't come true, then why not pretend? And at the very end it says, Dancing in a swirl of golden memories, the loveliest lies of all. And I think like like Over the Garden Wall is very much like this sort of dreamland where you aren't really sure what something is. So I think we're sort of existing in this space that's like many things at once and no clearly defined thing does work for me because of how Over the Garden Wall like functions. Um, yeah, and I think that line, like the loveliest lies of all, kind of really gets to what you were saying earlier, Read about things are never as they seem. Um, and yeah, I have even more to say, honestly, <laughs> but I will shut up for a moment so uh, my co-host can talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just kind of had a short note on all of this. Um, I don't know if this is anything or maybe if it was just obvious, but as I was reading, I kept wondering, like, based on my limited knowledge, why didn't Wirt become a tree if he thought he'd been abandoned? Like, why did he become the beast? And the thing that kept coming into my own mind was like... I mean, not only the beast being like, come beast it up with me, king, um, but also, <laughs> what? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, but the difference to me also felt like, rather than the primary emotion being like despair, Wirt seems to have a lot of anger. And that feels like potentially the thing that like is keeping him in a body that can move around and like do stuff and interact with people. I just found that really interesting. His in interactions with Charlotte are so angry. They're like angsty and they're intense. And you can tell there is this really like burning anger that is undercut by sadness in everything he says. Like, take it from me, kid. Everyone leaves you behind in the end. It's this really interesting, like tragic, jaded but also very teenage response to feeling like you've been left behind by somebody like, okay, well, that's just how the world works. And you'd better learn it before you end up like me because I was like stupid enough to hope like it's so I feel like the author did a really good job getting across the emotions through just the dialogue, really. I have a lot to say about the setting and stuff, but I think the dialogue specifically between Wirt and Charlotte, between Charlotte and the frog and cat did so much emotional work in this story that I really liked. Yeah, I mean, Wirt is very much an angsty teenage boy. Like, that is his character in, in the show. <laughs> um, and I think at multiple turns, he is very frustrated with what's going on, like, in the show. Like, angry that Beatrice left them. Um, and then, like, angry that they can't come back home. Angry at Greg for sort of being incompetent, <laughs> but Greg is a little child so it's sort of <laughs> mean of him um but it's also very much like appropriate like kind of angsty teenager energy so i do think like the beast sort of is like haha like this little angsty teenage boy would be perfect for this job yeah. um yeah i mean there's a point at which like work does kind of feel like giving up and then he does start to become a tree like giving up is what can make you into a tree i feel like um and if you continue to believe, then, like, you won't become as much of one. But I don't know. Yeah, I, like, the lore is complicated and not all very clearly detailed. <laughs> like, a lot of things aren't explicitly explained. You kind of just have to, like, infer them as a, a viewer. Um, and, like, things can always change because we're never really sure, like, what's reality and not. Like, it's this sort of dreamscape land um, where a lot of things can, like, shift. 
Okay, wait, I have another question then. Does that mean that there could be an implication here that part of why Wirt is like so determined to keep saying that he's been abandoned because he actually still is hoping that Greg will come back for him? And then that's also part of why he didn't become a tree because he actually hasn't given up, even though he like wants to have given up because that would actually probably hurt less and he could just be a little tree. I don't know if that's anything. I'm just I'm just extrapolating from this yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely... I think there's definitely a potential that, like, Wirt is saying this over and over because he's trying to convince himself, too. Um, I don't know if that means that he believes that someone else is going to come rescue him or what, but, like, I do think I do think some of it is attempting to convince himself, for sure. The closest you can get to sadness is hope, I heard, so. <laughs> That's also, I feel like, the flip side of that is reflected at the very end. Like, one of my absolute favorite things in this fic um, and a reference, like, a callback to canon was Wirt trying to cut off his antlers. Um, because, like, the first time that Charlotte encounters Wirt, it's, like, in the woods, and, like, he seems to have a lot of, like, vines and stuff around him, and then she encounters him again in, like, a dream, sort of, and realizes that, like, parts of the woods are actually growing out of him, including these antlers on his head. Um, and he is trying so hard with um, Beatrice's scissors to cut them off, and the scissors are, like, scissors that this this bluebird was going to use on herself to turn herself back into a human, basically. The idea that they could, like, cut through a curse, and specifically cut through a curse to make her from something that was animal back into human, and so it was, like, very devastating to see Wirt sort of, like, hacking at his own head with them because it's it's almost like uh, in how you guys were saying that he has to keep repeating to himself over and over again, like, they've abandoned me is therefore implying that he does not fully believe it. And you see that very explicitly with the whole antlers thing. Um, so that I really liked. Yeah, that was definitely an emotional moment for me of, like, Wirt trying to do that. I was like, oh, buddy. So, uh, like I said, what I know about Over the Garden Wall is really just, like, autumnal vibes. Two little guys with pointy hats. The theme song with the frog. That one fic I read, then I don't know how much of it was actually canon and how much of it was not, and also it's been over a year. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've got. And so I think, like, this fic did really feel like it emulated the kinds of vibes that I would have guessed the show has. And it feels to me like one of the primary ways it did that was through the setting. This fic out of the three fics that we brought by far puts the most attention and detail into setting. Uh, we get to read a lot about the forest and the different aspects of it, the cabin. We get to read about like when Charlotte first falls through and what that feels like and the different senses. I just really liked that. I think setting detail can really impact pacing of a story. And I think this one was slowed down in a lot of ways by that in a way that I think was necessary and really worked. If we're talking about a story about a girl getting lost in the forest, like we need to spend time with her in that forest in order to like understand that that's what this story is about. Um, it's about other things too, but that feels like our central conceit here. And I appreciated that the forest felt so alive and interesting. I also think setting detail can be boring <laughs> if it's like this this thing is this color, this thing is this shape, and this size, and I'm now going to describe someone's living room in so much detail, but you can't even picture stuff that well in your head, so when I describe something being on top of something else, but you already forgot where it was, you're going to get really confused and be like, help, <laughs> what is happening here? Anyway, I know we all have that issue. The universal reading experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. You're really stressed out when someone's describing a room in too much detail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I think like the... 
the fairy tale esque style. I think of quite a bit of this story lent itself very well to these setting descriptions. And some of them were a bit more metaphorical, some of them were very fanciful. I never felt pressured to be picturing stuff like super perfectly. Um, and so I think all of that lent itself to just, I don't know, it really worked for me in this fic and I appreciate it. I think that was like my favorite part about this story was how the setting was described and played out on the page. Um, since I didn't learn Jolene, should I do a little rendition of the theme song here to make up for it? Yeah, please. <laughs> Would that satisfy you emotionally? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Read, drop a beat. Okay. <laughs> I, this is not a song that needs a beat. Oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> oh, you know what I, you know what I should get if in like the true styles, I should get like a little pot from my kitchen and a wooden spoon to bang it on in the style yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Okay. I have, well, and then we I can have an empty potatoes and molasses. Can. Okay. Yeah. I don't have much. Wow, um, that's atrocious, but thank you. <laughs> this is what it sounds like when you say you do a. Well, when Nick says they do ASMR. Yeah, Nick's doing Are ASMR All right. right now. Let's go, Breb. See, I thought you were going to say a rousing rendition of like to Adelaide, but you're going instead for the more. Oh, yeah, um, we could. Well, soulful. I had the lyrics pulled up. Um, that's I don't remember what the lyrics are to it. Adelaide. To, to Adelaide, Adelaide, to Adelaide, and then that's all I've got. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Led through the mist by the milk light of moon, all that was lost is revealed. Our long bygone burdens, mere echoes of the spring. But where have we come, and where shall we end? If dreams can come true, then why not pretend? <laughs> That's what I've got for you. <laughs> Incredible, Incredible. I yeah, never want to so hear good. that back. <laughs> Brenna Granny, when? Yeah, okay. Never. Truly, though? Soon, I think, after I don't, that. I did not get the tune quite right on that, but that's okay. <laughs> I wouldn't know. It's tough because, like, I'm not tone deaf, but if you heard me sing, you might think I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm delighted that you have I an occurrence of wrong. someone else I just singing can't on come the pod. get it to come out correctly. Thank you for taking this journey with us over the garden wall. Um, I've enjoyed revisiting this fandom um and i hope you have enjoyed it as well would highly highly recommend this fic if for any fans of over the garden wall would highly recommend watching over the garden wall to anyone who hasn't it's a delightful whimsical uh time thank you so much for listening to this episode of fit click if you enjoyed it and would like to interact with us in other ways, uh, you can do so in many different formats. You can follow us on Twitter at FitClick. You can send us an email at fitclickpod at gmail.com. You can join our Discord server. The link is on our Twitter. And maybe you too could be part of a future FitClick chance. Um, if you don't tell us that you hate it, we probably will do it again. So <laughs> let your opinions be known. <laughs> Ficklets, we have merchandise that you can purchase with Legal Tender. Our Redbubble is linked on our Twitter, in our pinned tweet. It's also on our link tree. Uh, highly recommend you go check it out. We have lots of cool things. Uh, some Ficklets recently bought some hats uh, that they have <laughs> worn on vacation. We're so excited about that. 
I think we said, I think you said this like in an outro or maybe it was just to us, but I feel like you said on the pod, you're like, somebody bought three hats and I'm wondering yes. like, did they buy hats for them and their friends? Yeah. yeah. Um, the mystery was solved when my parents sent me photos from their <laughs> vacation and they were in matching Ficklick hats and they hadn't so told obsessed, me. Obsessed, obsessed. Yeah, no, it's adorable. Um, yeah, but we have all kinds of things. So highly recommend you go check that out. Browse a little. Um get yourself a little treat but the little treat is fit click merch exactly you can also give us money on ko-fi if you want to do that uh ko-fi.com slash fit click if you'd like to donate to the show uh the money that we make from merch and ko-fi donations goes back into making the show good and also keeping it online with our hosting costs etc if you want to support us but don't want to do so financially, you can always leave us a review on whatever podcast hosting site of your choice allows them. Uh, we love reading them, and they definitely help people be interested in our podcast. Uh, you can also spread the good news of FitClick through word of mouth or social media. Um, and you can also write to us via email if you'd like to just sort of nourish our souls with your kind words or criticisms, I guess, but that will hurt me emotionally. So I'd rather you not, <laughs> but you could if you want to. You have free will. Long-time ficklets, or maybe even short-time ficklets who have dedicatedly listened to our entire backlog or just a portion of it, may have encountered at some point um, a little thing that we do called the Fandom Classic series. It is pretty much what it sounds like. We pick a fic that we feel like is um, a classic within a fandom for a reason. We talk about it, like why we think it's gotten to fandom classic status, um, how it contrasts to other fics within the fandom or like what its place is, that whole thing. Um, this is a new series that is a spinoff of that that we are starting called For Your Consideration. Pew, 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 pew. Um, and when I say this is a new series, what I mean is next episode is the start of this new series, yes. just to be clear. <laughs> um, yes, we are starting a new thing. Um, basically, listen, we just sometimes we just like need more excuses to talk about long fic that we really like and one birthday episode a year each is not going to cut it. Um, so that's sort of what this series is, an excuse to talk about fix that we really like of any length, but like probably I would assume usually like longer than our 50k ish. Like, I, we say 50k limit. I feel like we've set like a soft limit for ourselves of like 35k at this point um, <laughs> per, yeah. per host per episode. So basically just a way for us to be able to talk about longer fix that we really like and that we think deserve a little bit more of a spotlight, deserve some hype. Um, once again, this is us just trying to pitch fix to become viral within their fandoms or just viral in general. Nick has selected our first for your consideration fic um, for the episode that will be coming out on April 14th. So Nick, what are you kicking off the series with? I'm so excited. Um, okay, so this is not an unpopular fic. I do want to clarify. It's got like oh, it's got slightly over 1,500 kudos. Like this is no joke. All right, it's no slouch. But I think when we talk fandom classic, we all we oftentimes are thinking of a fic that's older, like 10 years typically minimum. Um, this fic came out in 2020, uh, and this is for the fandom 17 band. We're coming back to K-pop. Um, I do think you can read this without a whole lot of knowledge. It's a pretty contained story, and it's an AU. Um, this fic is Give Me a Tempest by Clavier or Clavia or Clavier, depending on what language you were pronouncing it in, I think. <laughs> um, and this is a Minghao slash Mingyu fic. This fic, I'll, I'll share a few of the tags. Uh, fake pretend relationship, 
hurt comfort, emotional baggage, misunderstood to ally to friend to lover. Um, I really find this fic delightful. I refer to it mostly as a green card marriage fic, which is what it is. I just like it so much. It's 98,000 words. I've read it several times. It's a fic that I kind of bask in, and it's one that I could not bring to the pod because it is so long. I thought about bringing it for my birthday, but we put a 100k cap on that, and (laughs) it didn't give me a lot of space (laughs) left over. So I'm super hyped to talk to my co-hosts about this story, and I hope some people find it for the first time and consider it. Thank you. Ficklets, I gotta go. I think someone's stealing my man. Bye! Ficklets... I'm about to go look so cute, sexy, and my ride sporty in my car. Bye! <laughs> it's literally not even related to the fic. It's not, but I love it. <laughs> all right, ficlets, I'm off to explore the loveliest lies of all. Bye! Bye!